0: This afternoon I preached you the word of God as our Lord Jesus taught it to us in the Lord's Prayer. He taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Concerning these verses, the church confesses in Lord's Day 52, and we'll read that together in the Heidelberg. Heidelberg Catechism. What is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in ourselves, we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us. Will you therefore uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but always firmly resist our enemies until we finally obtain the complete victory. How do you conclude your prayer? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all this we ask of you, because as our King, having power over all things, You are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because not we, but your holy name, should so receive all glory forever. What does the word amen mean? Amen means it is true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, spiritual warfare. It seems so otherworldly, hard for our scientific, materialistic minds to comprehend. And we thought church was a quaint little place to learn about God and to find friends to encourage us to show more self-control. When Jesus teaches us to pray the 6th Petition, we learn several important things about our lives. The first thing we learn from Jesus' prayer is that Christianity is not some sort of child's game, but it is a spiritual war in an eternal kingdom, and we are spiritual warriors. In our minds, we often see the church like a parent might see a playhouse in their backyard. A safe place for children to play, although they might need to be scolded once in a little while to play together nicely. A place meant for our own family and the people that we decide to let in. And a place that is largely irrelevant for most people in the world. The sixth petition, however, reminds us that in reality the church is not in our backyard. But we are part of a cosmic war against the evil one. The evil one. That's Satan. The devil. The fallen angel who, from the very beginning, hates God and wants to destroy God's people. The evil one, we read in Ephesians 6, is working with the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places and the cosmic powers over this present darkness to destroy this church. We cannot simply close our eyes and wish the Emmanuel congregation out of the war and off the mission field and have it sit behind a white picket fence in your backyard with a cute little sign that says, No devil's allowed. The second thing that Jesus' prayer shows us is that God is not unaware of our own weaknesses in this spiritual war. He knows that we are easily led into temptations because we are careless and naive. I think it is fair to say that we as Christians with our nice, big, generous hearts often overestimate our own resiliency and underestimate the strength and the wickedness of God's enemies. We think we are immune to the pervasive influences of the movies and the media and the music, all changing, pushing us to change our perspectives. Before we know it, we find ourselves accepting things like marital unfaithfulness and using swear words as if they're normal, maybe not completely, at least more than before. We confess we're so weak we cannot stand even for a moment. And even though Jesus and the apostles have warned us clearly, we have trouble actually believing that the evil one is behind these, these daily temptations that we find or that he's even able to use them. And we have even more trouble believing that the devil, the evil one, truly wants to see Our spiritual defeat. The third thing we learn in the sixth petition is that although we are so weak, God can deliver us from the evil one. Spiritual warfare is real, but we do not need to stand even for a moment in our own strength. Ephesians 6, verse 10, reminds us that we can be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. When we enter into that daily spiritual warfare with the praise words, the doxology of the Lord's Prayer on our lips, then we're beginning each day praising our mighty King of Kings and our Heavenly Father. The kingdom, the power, and the glory belong to you forever, Father. We are soldiers fighting against our dangerous sworn enemies every day of our lives. And yet, like the French Huguenots, those Reformed believers who sang Psalm 68, 1 and 2 as they went into battle, we too know, entering the battle, God shall arise and by his might put all his enemies to flight. This is the gospel I preached to you this afternoon. The Lord's might is our strength in spiritual warfare. We pray knowing that the kingdom belongs to God, power belongs to God, and the glory belongs to God forever. Before they enter a war, soldiers must be clearly convinced in their own minds what they are fighting for. What what are you trying to defend? What is the purpose of the battle? What is it that soldiers are afraid of losing? When Christian soldiers engage in spiritual warfare, they begin with praise words, the doxology, about the things they already have. They declare that their greatest desire is already true. The kingdom belongs to our God. Unlike many other battles where the soldiers are fighting for what they do not have we are citizens of a kingdom that already has been and always will be firmly in the hands of our God so why is this war necessary spiritual warfare in the kingdom of God is a war within the kingdom of God Against those who want to ruin all the good things that God has created for us to enjoy. God has already sent his son to purify everyone who believes in him. The evil tyrant has already been destroyed and yet the seeds of rebellion continue to fester as God's defeated enemies are motivated by their loser spite to destroy God's Ambassadors. Spiritual warfare is aimed at, at uncovering the truth, making the, the truth plain for all to see so that the beauty of the kingdom that belongs to God may be fully seen and that all those who are trying to twist it and to cover it and to dirty it are exposed for what they're doing. The devil's temptations are focused on making us forget that the kingdom belongs to the Lord or at least behaving as if it doesn't belong to him and in order to do that the devil needs to make us close our Bibles to forget God's promises and his victory to water down the gospel so it is nothing more than a promise of a comfortable life here on earth and that the true eternal kingdom is hidden from our view So we live each day thinking about the daily things we see and forgetting that the kingdom belongs to God he wanted Jesus to be uncomfortable with that feeling of hunger in the desert to be uncertain about the love of his father to be discontent with the work his father had given him to die on a cross he did that so that Jesus might bow before him and then receive these earthly comforts. Turn his back on the reality of the kingdom and receive from the devil's hands those little things he wanted now. The devil will bare his teeth and intimidate, hold out beautiful little trinkets and tempt, sow seeds of doubt about God's love and the truth of his word, and encourage us to be proud like Adam and Eve, so that we might deny God, fall into despair in our failures and weaknesses. You see, tyrants want you to feel helpless, powerless, anxious, and discontent with the present situation so that they can be the savior that you depend on for for help. And as Christians, during this pandemic fear... It is possible that we are seeing this strategy play out around us. And it's so important to remember the doxology of our prayer. The kingdom already belongs to our God. We already have all that we need in him. He is the only good helper and rock and refuge we could trust in him. Well, after Adam and Eve fell to spiritual defeat because they doubted that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, our Lord Jesus came to face the devil for sinners and in our place. We read it together in Matthew 4. He did it right. He did not doubt the word of God. He interpreted the scripture passages that the devil tried to use and and that he had twisted. Jesus interpreted them correctly. The devil had no reply. Jesus knew that the kingdom was already the Lord's. Jesus knew that he was not helpless or powerless. The devil could not give him anything that the Lord had not already given, and so he simply told him, told Satan to get get lost. Jesus did this for us and in our place, so we might not so that we might never forget that we are already part of an eternal heavenly kingdom that belongs to our heavenly father. We already have all that we need in Jesus Christ. His spirit helps us to be faithful, loyal, trusting, reverent, thankful servants of the one true king, the only king who has all the power After soldiers have determined what they are fighting for, they also need to decide whom they will serve as king. Will you make yourself that king so that you only look out for your own interests? Well, Pride gives the devil a lot to work with as he seeks to mislead you. Will you be a a people-pleaser, caught up in the, the trap of codependency so you're always slaves to the opinions and the needs of other people? When governments, spouses, manipulators, and needy people demand our submission, again, the devil is given a foothold. The doxology of the Christian, however, puts everything in its place where we begin saying, the power belongs to God our Father. The answer to codependency is not self-empowerment. And the answer to pride and insubmission is not slavery. But there is only one who has power over all things, and he is our Heavenly Father. Pontius Pilate was a very powerful Roman ruler, he had Jesus there in front of him, ready to be put on trial. He was being put on trial. And he told Jesus that as a man, he had power over Jesus' life and Jesus' death. But then in John 19, verse 11, our Lord Jesus corrected him and told him that he would have no power if it hadn't been given to him by God. That's a perspective of bringing that doxology into our lives. Later, Jesus announced that God had given him all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus finished the work that he had come to do. He rose from the dead. He ascended to his eternal throne. And he governs all things, Ephesians says, for the church. It was as if Christ Jesus lifted the hood of the car, to show the motor that makes the thing move. He was uncovering exactly what the doxological statement, that word of praise says, the power belongs to God. You can see that in the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we do not fight in the spiritual warfare in the hopes of maybe regaining or restoring power to God, as if he lost it. But we fight as soldiers in his army because he already has the power. God reveals his power in the lives of his soldiers by giving them the armor that we read about in Ephesians 6, verses 14 to 17. God already has all the power And then in his mercy, he clothes everyone who relies on his grace with this power from on high, armor of God. And if you look closely, you will see that all that armor that God gives to us, that list of truth and faith and the word of God, all these things draw us nearer to him who is the source of all strength. And again there we see the secret for the spiritual battle is to be drawn near to the Lord. Find your strength in his promises. Surrounded by God's truth, righteousness, readiness, faith, salvation, and word. And praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. We are made strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Our vertical connection to God not only equips us to be able to stand firm in the battle against the devil when he attacks us, but also to serve the furtherance of his kingdom in mission and outreach. The armor equips us for defense, but also for advancing God has the power. God cannot lose the power. He has given the power to His his church insofar as she draws near to Him. He could have just taken His church out of the world. He could have just put us in a cloister or in the, the safety of a backyard, but He didn't. He could have avoided all resistance just left the world under his punishment or or wiped the world out in, in one fell swoop. But he didn't. The fact that there is any spiritual war at all is a result of God's compassion for the lost, his concern for the confused, his love for a world destined for punishment. He does not want his creatures to miss out on the riches of his eternal kingdom because of their rebellion and their refusal to repent that is why he puts the armor on us that's why he sent us out into the fray the light and the darkness the salt leaving the salt shaker into the world and in christ we have the strength to withstand the attacks, and we have a reason to withstand the attacks because we're called to go forward and bring the gospel. We have the strength to expose the defeated tyrant, show the wickedness of his plans. We can serve God's kingdom by gathering all those subjects whom he has chosen to eternal life before the foundation of the world. The power belongs to to God, His plan will be fulfilled. And brothers and sisters, the gospel message for us as a congregation is that we don't have to believe everything that we hear. The devil does a lot of talking. The devil wants you to think that God is just one of many strong forces vying for power you're deciding, as a soldier, who should we follow? The the devil says, well, there's a whole bunch of options here for you. The media makes you want to think that the government is all-powerful and not just civil servants. And there are bosses, and there are husbands, and there are wives, and there are interest groups that are all claiming to have that power. But their kingdoms are just like crumbling and smoldering Little towns, little specks in the universe, their power is small and insignificant and temporary, for they are powerless before the eternal king. So, brothers and sisters, let us look upon our neighbors, let's talk to our colleagues with compassion, according to the calling that we have received, and not with fear. We have the doxology, the power belongs to God. Paul prayed that we might pray with him that he might boldly proclaim the truth of God's eternal kingdom with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There is no one like the Lord. That is why all glory belongs to him. What does that mean, giving glory God glorifying somebody among creatures of the earth glory is earned by those who prove their worthiness giving glory to somebody means acknowledging the goodness of their character and their deeds and submitting before them in worship glorifying another includes humbling yourself before that person recognizing that you are nothing in yourself and and depending completely on that other person. To give glory to someone is to give them credit for the good things in your life while at the same time recognizing that you yourself did not contribute anything to the blessing. Imagine if a, a young woman dives into the North Saskatchewan River and saves you from drowning. I think that happened last summer here near Devon. Imagine being that person saved. You would, you would acknowledge her heroic act, but recognize that you would have been dead without her help, and be eager to repay the debt because of your gratitude. Example of a hero. There's many heroes in our lives. Besides those who save us, there are others we turn to and for for uh, for help in our lives, like our husbands and our wives, or generous people who have helped us. And although at first the heroes may feel some pride when you praise them for what they did to you, after giving it some thought, they will realize that they actually are not the only ones to thank. If we think of the hero who rescued us from the river, she would recognize that she actually has others to thank. Her parents for teaching her to swim and for paying for her swimming lessons, the food she ate that day, the exact timing of the situation, the flow of the river, all heroes will soon realize that all the glory for what they did belongs to God, the creator, who in his sovereign providence was already governing all things long before this incident happened. Although there are certainly a lot of heroes in our lives Their heroic deeds just give everybody an opportunity to see and acknowledge God's mighty character and loving works that are behind everything we do on earth. Again, it's like lifting the hood and showing the truth. The glory belongs to God. Not because he earned it by doing something to help you, but because his name is always glorious. The glory does not belong to the instrument, but to the creator who is using it. To use the analogy of warfare, the glory doesn't belong to the soldier, but to the one who created the creatures on both sides of the battle and specifically called, equipped, and commanded the soldiers in his army. As we meet with one another in the battle, we can complement one another as instruments. We can marvel at the unique gifts that God, that every person has received, whether they are using it for good or for bad. We can encourage one another about our our usefulness. We can express gratitude for the pleasant things that others have done. But when it comes to worship, submission, or obedience, we will never give to man what is due only to God. All the glory. Always belongs to God this God who is worthy of highest praise forever is the God who has entered into a special relationship with his church to love and protect her forever in the spiritual warfare the doxological that that praise words of praise yours is the kingdom yours is the glory forever ensures that we don't put our hope and confidence for peace and joy in other people. Placing such high expectations on ourselves or on other people is not only offensive to God, but when we do this, we put too much pressure on mere human beings. We, We crush others with our expectations. We cause harm to ourselves. No mere person can give us what we need for this life and the life to come. Don't believe everything you hear. It is wicked to turn to people with such expectations. It is wicked to promise to be that person for others. However, although you or anyone else can't deliver, the gospel message is that you can glorify God forever and ever because he has delivered you can acknowledge and hallow the greatness of his name because he sent his son jesus christ to save us forever you can thank him for your daily bread you can thank him for the forgiveness of sins you can live in peace with him for all eternity because he is the overflowing fountain of all good. The gospel message is that the glory belongs to God. and He is our heavenly father. The doxology at the end of the prayer is connected to the beginning of our prayer. When we call God our heavenly father. Our heavenly father has the kingdom. The power and the glory. It is all his and it is ours also in jesus christ it is fitting that both our prayer and our public confession in the heidelberg catechism end off with a doxology for the truth is even as we head into another battle against the evil one the doxology is already true we enter the battle as the victors as instruments in our redeemer's hands the kingdom the power and the glory belong to our loving God and Father who has given us everything we need in Jesus Christ and that's how we begin each day joining the the chorus of angels revelation 5 describing the song of the angels they are saying this all praise and all glory and all honor belongs to God Almighty. And so fully prepared for spiritual warfare in the armor of God we can be confident in the strength of the Lord's might. The church is not a child's playhouse in a backyard. The evil one has been defeated. The resistance continues but the gospel is not changed. One day, all creation will acknowledge what we believe, we preach, the foundation of our prayer today. The kingdom belongs to God, the power belongs to God, and the glory belongs to God forever. Amen.